Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Dr. Benjamin Williams. The mechanic looked at me and with all seriousness said, well, preacher, somebody sure is looking out for you. said, you shouldn't have been able to drive here all the way from Virginia. People ask me how my Thanksgiving was. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I'd been hearing a deep hum and a low thump, 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 thump under the truck. And I knew the tires were old. I won't say how old, but when you can tell they're old from standing 30 feet away, you know you need to replace them. And I figured that was the problem. And driving home to the Greensboro area for Thanksgiving, that hum and that thump was becoming louder and louder and more and more insistent. So Tuesday... I ordered some new tires Wednesday afternoon with new tires. The hum and the thump was still there. Mm. So the tire shop manager took it for a spin to listen to it, and when he came in, he looked grim. (laughs) And he shook his head and said, that ain't tires. It's the rear end, maybe wheel bearings. And since they didn't do wheel bearings, he sent me to another mechanic. So mechanic number two, here it is, it's mid-afternoon, the day before Thanksgiving. He said he wasn't going to be open on Friday, so whatever needed to be fixed, he wasn't going to be able to do it. But he loved the Lord, and he was going to make sure I at least knew what was wrong with that truck. (laughs) He'd find out what the problem was. And so they looked at it and tugged here and tugged there, and he says... Yeah, come over here and grab this and feel it. said, feel that? That's the wheel bearings. you got to get this fixed immediately. I can't do it this afternoon. (laughs) And I won't be open on Friday, right? (laughs) So he sent me just up the block to mechanic number three, who would be open on Friday. So I, and I made an appointment there. So all day Thanksgiving, I prayed. You know, I needed to get back here to Virginia Beach on Friday because on Sunday we were going to be doing the paradise tree and everything about the hanging of the greens for those who were here you you can imagine what was involved in getting prepared for that on on Saturday so I knew I had to be here Friday (sighs) 
So I said, Lord, I finally got to the point where I said, okay, Lord, just let everything fall into place in your timing. And Friday morning early, I dropped off the truck. At four in the afternoon, the mechanic called me, and then when I came in, he looked up at me and said, Preacher, somebody sure is looking out for you. You shouldn't have been able to drive all the way here from Virginia. Said, your back wheel bearings were so tore up, they carved a groove in your back axle. The bearing ring was so brittle, when we went to take it out, it shattered in a million pieces. You had to have a whole axle rebuild kit. And then he said, but that was only half of it. <laughs> said, we shouldn't have been able to get an axle rebuild kit. And nobody keeps something like that in stock. You always have to order one and then wait a few days for it. And they really ain't going to have one for a truck from 2003. <laughs> and we called and we called and all we heard was, well, we can order from one for you. Yeah, we can order one for you. That's all we heard. But we just tried one more place down in High Point. That's about 45 minutes away on the other side of Greensboro. He said, I called this store down High Point, and they say, yeah, we can order. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me look. Yeah, we got one right here on the shelf. Do you want it? <laughs> when God does something amazing, it doesn't involve usually things happen contrary to all laws of nature. Rather, it's a matter of timing and improbability. Amen. It's a case of improbable timing that my axle and wheel bearing case held together and only shattered when it was being removed. God knew how long it needed to hold up to get me where he wanted me to be, and not one second longer. <laughs> but what I want us to look at and think about today is the wisdom and the foresight of God. Because think about it now. Think with me. That one axle rebuild kit I needed, right then, that day, the only one in at least a 100-mile radius, had to have been bought and laid up long before, you know, when it was still in production and was new. God had to have known my need, heard my prayer, and prepared his provision a full 15 years ago. It was a miracle 
just waiting its time. My stepfather had a saying. I'm beginning to set about to start to commence to think about initiating it. <laughs> you see, some, some beginnings take more preparation. We're in Advent. Advent means coming. It's the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of all God's promises and fulfillment all coming together. At first, we look toward the second coming of Jesus. And then, between this week and next week, we start shifting our focus to look back and remember the first coming of Christ. And this is a time for preparation, for being ready. Ready for the promises to be fulfilled. Ready for salvation to dawn. Ready for the coming of Christ, whether it's coming as a babe 2,000 years ago, coming into my heart right now, coming into my moment of need, or coming to judge the earth at the end of time. It's about getting ready for, for what God is fixing to do and getting ready for Jesus. Now, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, that's the way the Gospel of Mark starts. And then you don't hear anything about Jesus, not for a while. Let's take a look at that passage. I invite you to turn with me in Mark chapter 1, beginning of Mark's gospel, chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. <coughs> John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May God bless to us this reading. This is the word of the Lord. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, and then we hear about John the Baptist. 
For a long time, I just, I didn't think anything about it. Because after all, it was Bible. And Bible is like that, right? There's so many things we read in the Bible and we say, well, that's just the way they talk in Bible times. That's just the way the Bible's written. That's not true. We're supposed to notice when things don't quite add up. Those are hints to us of what the gospel writer wants us to see. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, and then we hear, it's John the Baptist. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way for you, said the prophet Isaiah. And that was John who would prepare the way for Jesus. The beginning before the beginning. I guess God starts to commence to think about initiating things too. There's always some preparation. God never just does something. God is not spontaneous and spur of the moment because, well, first of all, he's never surprised by any circumstances that come our way. He knows about it already. He knew about it when he was creating the world in the first place. And so he gets things ready first. He sets the stage. He didn't just give Abram a son, did he? He gave him promises. He made covenants with him. He led him on his journeys for over 25 years before he kept that promise and against all probabilities gave him Isaac. God did not just lead the Hebrews out of Egypt. Oh, I wake up one morning and say, oh, it's a beautiful morning. I think I'll lead the Hebrews out of Egypt, right? No. This was a plan long in the making, and he raised up Moses for years, hounded him into the wilderness where he could call him through that burning bush and then send him back to deliver his people from bondage. That was a process of preparation that may have been 50, 60 years or more. And how many centuries of prophets looked forward to the coming of the Messiah? For hundreds and hundreds of years. It was all in the works. But you see, God takes whatever time is necessary to lay the groundwork for the work he is going to do. And he lays the groundwork to do what he's going to do in you and in me as well. So John appears to prepare the way of the Lord. And what does he tell people to do? When we read, he's telling them to repent, to be baptized, to confess their sins, and receive forgiveness and be forgiven. 
Repent, be baptized, confess their sins, and be forgiven. Now, do you hear what Mark is saying? Do you hear what Mark is saying? Repentance, baptism, confession, and forgiveness is not the way. It is only preparing the way for the Lord. Do you hear that? That's what he's saying. That is preparing the way for the Lord. That's not the whole thing. That's just the preparations for what Christ is going to do. That is our beginning before the beginning. I already told you once a little bit about a church near my college campus. Students went there on Sundays and Wednesdays every week pastor preached an evangelism message. He was good. You know, and then come forward, confess your sinners, ask Jesus to forgive you, be baptized. And he never, however, preached on prayer or resisting temptation or faith for living or Christian fellowship or finding God's will for tough decisions. Just repent, confess, be baptized, be forgiven. You're set for life. However, that's the same thing that John the Baptist preached. And Mark says that this is not yet the good news of Jesus. It's only the beginning of the good news, the beginning before the beginning. That being said, it's Advent, a time of preparation, and it is the beginning of the beginning. It's the place you start to get ready to start. John came to get us ready for the coming of the Savior. So how do you get ready? He says, confess your sins, repent, be cleansed, and forgiven. You see, we have a sin problem, every one of us. I'd ask for a show of hands, but I don't want to embarrass anyone who doesn't, might not have the sense to raise their hand if I asked who had a sin problem here. I don't want anybody else to know I have a sin problem. You know, that's just between me and God. Well, ask your wife if that's true. Wives, ask your husbands if that's true, okay? And if you don't have a husband or wife, ask your brother or sister. You'll find it's not just between you and God. It's between you and every doggone person you run into. Just saying, just warning you. And we don't like to admit it. Everybody who has ever lived likes to think of himself as a pretty good person. I'm pretty good. I'm not any worse than this person or that person. See, that's viewed from a human perspective. 
We can look pretty good to ourselves. But from heaven's vantage point, your life does not line up with God's way and will. And as long as you and I ignore that fact, nothing's going to change. We're never going to get right with God. It isn't going to happen. Constructive change always presupposes that you realize that something needs to be changed. I did not change my tires until I just admitted that I could see the wire mesh through my treads. <laughs> I did not change my rear axle until the, a couple of mechanics scared me into doing it. And if it's that simple about just changing anything on my truck, how, what is it going to take to get us to change things in our lives, in your life? That's why television evangelist, uh, I say evangelist, he kind of is, he's a psychologist, Dr. Phil There's some gospel in what Dr. Phil says, if you listen for it, by the way. He may not even know it. I don't know. But he always has his guests describe their problem and how the various ways they've tried to fix it. And then, you know, you remember what he asks? He asks, so, how's that working for you? That's a good question to ask yourself. So how's that working for me? The answer is, of course, that it isn't working. If it was working, they wouldn't be seating, sitting there on his couch. They wouldn't be good guests for a TV psychologist. How's it working for you? That principle is the very same as the first step of the Alcoholic Anonymous 12-step program, which is that you admit you have a problem that you can't fix and that you need a higher power to do it. First, obviously then, comes confession. That's that admission that I have a sin problem I can't fix without help. Then comes repentance. The word repentance literally means to change your mind, to rethink things. Nowadays, we would say to get an attitude adjustment. Nowadays, we don't like the word repentance. We load too much just heavy uh, religious baggage on it. People are repenting all the time. They just don't know that's what they're doing. Like the time that my wife asked me, does this make me look fat? And I actually answered it. I am never going to do that again. That's repentance. 
I had to rethink things and get an attitude adjustment. And I'm sure it was a well-deserved attitude adjustment. I'm still learning. There was, there was the time I was at a church, church supper, and I just had a slice of cake from the dessert table, and, and the woman that made it came up and said, oh, how did you like my whatever cake it was? I forget, some kind of pound cake. And, she's, and then before I could answer, oh, it was delicious, she said, it came out just a little bit dry. I, I don't know what I need to do. And I made the mistake of saying, well, maybe if you add a little extra butter. <laughs> and my wife reminded me many times ever since then that she did, that's not what she wanted to hear. What she wanted me to was say, oh, it was just delicious the way it was, and I thought it was tender and moist. <laughs> I'm still learning that one. God wants to take the shack, the hovel of your life and my life, and he wants to turn it into a palace. But he can't just come in and rearrange the furniture and slap some paint on it and hang a different picture and then suddenly go from living in, a, in like a rundown shingle shack to living in a palace. What do you have to do? If you're going to put a palace there, the first thing you have to do is you have to come in and bulldoze the shack, don't you? Because you can't just turn that into something wonderful. You have to clear the ground. Those slipshod shacks we call our lives have to be torn down. And the old refrigerators, you know, and those moldy porch sofas that are that aren't really supposed to be outside on the, in the weather, those rusted cars, that all has to be hauled off. If you admit, <coughs> if you admit it's a mess, that your life is a mess, that's confession. If you call the trash man to come haul it off, that is repentance. Repentance comes before cleansing and forgiveness. You know, an alcoholic might see that he's got a drinking problem, but if he never swears off the juice, he'll never get sober. He will never get clean. If a bully won't change his abusive ways, even if his victims forgive him, there will never be a healthy relationship there. God's forgiveness is not conditional. It's not conditional, but it is covenantal. It is covenantal. He says, I am the Lord your God, 
and I will do this, and you do that. Repentance is the beginning of the beginning of lasting change and real transformation that Jesus brings. All of that is just the beginning before the beginning. What God wants to do in order to make way for what he wants to do. John said that there's someone coming who is mightier than he is, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now this, we're made to understand, is the good news of Jesus. John clears the ground. Jesus builds a new foundation. Confession, repentance, forgiveness, baptism, and all that represents are the groundwork for what Jesus is going to accomplish in your life. And in this world as a whole, for that matter, it's a whole new heart, whole new spirit, a whole new life and a new lifestyle, a whole new mind, a whole new mindset, a whole new way of thinking. All new values, whole different set of priorities, whole different set of goals, courtesy of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we're told, baptizes with the Holy Spirit, the very life-changing power of God. You see, the Spirit is the power by which God created heaven and earth. That's the power that inspired the prophets to speak the word of God and do miracles. The Spirit is the power by which Jesus did his mighty works of healing and raising the dead and on and on. The Spirit is the power by which Jesus himself was raised from the dead to new resurrection life and is the power by which you and I will be raised to new life at the end of time. The Holy Spirit has always been the mark of great men and women of God. None of them were great people by themselves, but they were little people who'd been touched by a great power. Even Jesus did no mighty works until he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's our prototype. He was the one paving the way for us. And John says, that Jesus coming that's coming, he is going to inundate you with the same spirit. That's the real beginning of the good news of Jesus. Not the turning away from sin, but the turning toward the new power and the new life. Did you hear that? It's not the turning away from sin. That's preparation work. That's groundwork. But the turning to a new life and a new relationship with God 
That's the good news of Jesus. That's what Jesus offers to you and to me. For years, God has in his foresight and his wisdom been preparing for this day. You know, that one-of-a-kind part to fix your life has been waiting on the shelf somewhere just for the moment that you need it. And now it's today. And it's here. Now, this process of preparation, for many of us, we may say, oh, well, I... I repented of my sin and I accepted Jesus 25 years ago or 30 years ago or for me, as I said, this this year is my 50th anniversary in the Lord. It is sobering to think I can stand up here and say that. Not because of the Lord, it's just My, that's a long time. (laughs) But whenever God is getting ready to do a new thing in your life, whether he's going to be starting a new step or a new stage in your life, whether he's going to be preparing you for a say, some kind of call, special call to a ministry or a service that he has for you to do, if he's drawing you to some sort of deeper walk, you know what he's going to do? He's going to repeat that process of getting ready. Oh, by the way, you know those little, those little sins that you've been tolerating now for these 32 years since you came to know me? Guess what happens to them now? It's time to let go of them and let them just get rid of them, confess them, repent of them, be cleansed and forgiven of them because I have some, I'm preparing something new for you So God is going to repeat that process of preparation for each new step in the walk that he has prepared for you in your life. So get ready. Get ready because something wonderful is coming, something that's going to completely transform your life, change your goals, your whole way of thinking, And you have to prepare some too. The beginning before the beginning. If you've never taken this step, now's as good a time as any. If you have, but you sense that God is drawing you into a new phase in your life, And he wants you to renew and refresh that surrender and be cleansed again and made open to what he's preparing for you. Now's as good a time as any. In the quiet of your heart, speak with your heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord, I know that I've been trying to control my life, but it's not working. 
This is not what I want. I'm not happy. This is what I keep doing wrong. That is what I haven't let go of, and I know it. Forgive me. Make me clean because of what Jesus did for me. And now baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Take control of my life. Fill me with your life-changing power. Transform my life into something useful and meaningful for Jesus' sake. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.